Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be It Works, How and Why Studying Commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, It Works, How and Why. Alright folks, this is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there are going to be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text toward reaching those seeking a resource like this. We know if one person benefits from our efforts, we collectively believe, even including us, then our participation was well worth the effort. We're going to start off with our introduction, and then we're going to jump into the text. Get a pen, a highlighter, and get ready to go. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is the It Works, How and Why Study for the Anonymous Podcast. It's episode 15 on the bottom of page 56 with our awareness of our patterns. But first, we're going to introduce ourselves. Jennifer, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992. I attend meetings in Sacramento, California, and my home group is The Journey Within. Thanks, Jennifer. What's up, Christine? Hey, everybody. Christine O. My clean date is March 31st, 1994, and I attend meetings in the Virginia Beach and Tidewater area of Virginia. Thanks, Christine. What's up, Jane? Good evening, everybody. I'm Jane, and I'm from the Pacific Northwest. My clean date is 12-22-79. My home group is in Salem, Oregon, and it's the basic text study Tuesday, Thursday. Thanks, Jane. What's up, Andrew? Hiya. My name is Andrew G. I'm an addict. Clean date is May 16th, 2008. My home group is no matter what in North Atlanta. Thanks, Andrew. What's up, Eric? What's up, fam? I'm an addict. My name's Eric. I'm clean is September 16th, 2019, and my home group is uh, Friday Night Clean in Bradenton, Florida. Thanks, Eric. Now we're going to turn it over to the Open Mind crew. What's up, Lee? Hey, everybody. Lee P. Addict. Grateful to be an addict. My clean date is uh, August 27, 1987, and my home group, as Doug just said, is the virtual hybrid meeting, Open Minds. Mind. Thanks, Lee. What's up, Barb? Hey, Douglas, I'm Barb R. And my clean date is 10-4-95. And my home group is the Open Mind meeting Monday night in New Orleans. Thanks, Barb. And sitting next to me on, <laughs> on his counter, uh, Paul. What's happening, Paul? Hi, I'm Paul. I'm an addict. I'm sitting next to D Doug L. in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, where I attend meetings. My home group is Open Mind, and my clean date is January the 6th, 1995. Douglas? All right, thanks, <laughs> <laughs> I'm adding my name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA. I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, here we go. The Work Sound Why Study for the Anonymous Podcast, episode 15, all the way at the bottom, page 56, our awareness. Andrew, would you be willing to start us out? We're just reading one paragraph to kick us off uh, today. So one paragraph of comments, please. Yep, absolutely. Our awareness of our patterns of relating with others and the risk we have just taken and admitting them to another bring about a momentous breakthrough in our relationships. Not only do we form a close bond with our sponsor, but the risk we take in trusting this person will help us develop close relationships with others as well. We've risked trusting one person with our secrets and our feelings, and we haven't been rejected. We begin to have the freedom to trust others. Not only do we find out that others are trustworthy and deserve our friendship, we find that we are also trustworthy and deserving. We may have thought we were incapable of loving or being loved or ever having friends. We discover that these beliefs were unfounded. We learn from the example of our sponsor how to be a more caring friend. Um, you know, when I, so when I came to Narcotics Anonymous, like I had such a low self-esteem and I would not say that I was unlovable, like right on the nose, I wouldn't say, oh, I'm not. I don't deserve friendship or anything like that. Um, but the way that I carried myself and a lot of my, my actions, like I did not act like somebody who was like overflowing with uh, self-love or self-respect or, or any of that stuff. Um, you know, I think for me, 
over the years, like what has been very crucial in building that is taking that, like that sort of fifth step risk of like telling another man, like my deepest, darkest secrets. Um, and then being able to leverage that with being honest with other people in my life. Right. Because I had the experience of like, you know, learning that like, this person is trustworthy. And because of that, like I can be, I can be honest and I can be vulnerable, you know? Um, and that freedom is like, I, like, I really feel like for me, the capacity, my capacity to recover begins with, can I tell you the truth? You know? Um, and the fifth step is just like, it, it was a huge jumping off point. Uh, you know, like I shared, I think last week, like it wasn't the first time I did the fifth step, um, you know, although that was kind of the building block, but I think maybe like, Number three or number four, when I really put it all out there, you know, um, I, I just found this new freedom and um, and this sense of self that I didn't have by being honest and trusting somebody else and putting myself out there. So that's what I got. Thanks for those comments, Andrew. And uh, um, Christine, I'm going to come to you to see if you could read the last two and, and to end us with this. But I wanted, I wanted to point out this, this incapable right here, about four lines up from that last, from the last line in that paragraph. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And then it goes on to say, like, hey, you know, that's unfounded. I, I really think there's a relationship there within the basic text talks about how dude, we were misinformed, man. We got some like I got information from misinformed people. I was misinformed about about a lot of things in life, you know, and and but but here, I think in context, I don't know if I necessarily like if my story kind of kind of lines up with this exactly because using I really do think this is accurate. I really do think I was incapable of being a friend to somebody. I just didn't have the skill set to do it, man. I, I, I just couldn't show up for anybody. I was, I was definitely in that prison of what could I take from you and how can I get, you know, and how can I get it? The, the problem with that though, is that didn't just die on March 12, 2000. Like when I got clean, I didn't start saying, Oh, you know what? No, I'm worthy of a friend. I can be a friend. I'm worthy to have love. I can give love. That was the process, man. That's that, that, that's taken a while. So I wanted to add those those comments here. Christine, can you read the next two, starting with our relationships begin and then finish step five for us? Sure. Our relationships begin to change after this step, including the one we have with the God of our understanding. Throughout the process of the fifth step, we turn to that power when we were fearful and we received the courage we needed to complete the step. Our belief and our faith grew as a result. Because of this, we're willing to put more of ourselves into building a relationship with God. Just like any other relationship, the one we develop with our higher power calls for openness and trust on our part. When we share our most personal thoughts and feelings with our higher power, letting down our walls and admitting we are powerless, we are less than perfect, intimacy develops. We develop a certainty that our higher power is always with us and that we are being cared for. The process we have undertaken so far has made us aware of the exact nature of our wrongs. The exact nature of those wrongs is our character defects. We now know that the patterns of our lives were rooted in dishonesty, fear, selfishness, and many other defects of character. We've seen the whole spectrum of our defects and are ready for something new. With this readiness, we move on to step six. I have highlighted in here, I mean, the first sentence, our relationships begin to change after this step. That was totally true for me. I mean, I did my fourth and fifth step together in conjunction with each other because we did it, you know, like piecemeal. Um, and during that time frame, like, like, I just believe the universe just spun everything up. So I felt like it was just a tight ball of rubber bands. Um, and it was all just a culmination of the work. But during all my fourth and fifth step at the very end um, was when I was able to, I had the opportunity to confront my abuser in my family, I was able to confront my grandfather and I had a three minute conversation with him that like changed my life. Um, not knowing, I had no expectation of him to admit his wrongs or anything like that. For me, it was just 
having the courage to sit in front of him and say, I've spent the better part of my life trying to repair the broken pieces that I have that you created in me. Um, and because of, I mean, so much freedom came from that and it wasn't, the freedom didn't come from him owning it. The freedom came from me owning my power. The freedom came from me just having the courage to look at him and say these things, regardless of what he was going to say. Um, so when I had walked out of the house that day, like everything changed for me. I felt like the world had been lifted, but also it says here, the process we've undertaken so far has made us aware of the exact nature of our wrongs. And that also made me aware of the exact nature of my wrongs were not all his fault, like they were mine. And I had remembered a while back, my sponsor had asked me, she was like, who's to say if you grew up in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, you wouldn't have made the same choices that you made, like you made the choices. And um, that was like the first little light bulb moment that I feel like prepared me for this huge moment of, okay, this, the exact nature is mine. All the, these defects are mine now. I was no longer a victim. And it was just such a total psychic change for me. I don't even know how to understand it. It was a spiritual awakening because I stepped out of being a victim and was immediately started identifying myself as a survivor. And, um, and it all came as a full culmination of four and a half years of fourth and fifth step work with professional help on the outside. So, um, yeah, it's a uh, four and five. I mean, and when I was really able to get to the exact nature without that underlying feeling of, but it wouldn't be this way if not for that. He created this in me. Um, to be able to take that ownership back and say, you know what, I was dishonest. I made that choice. Regardless, that doesn't matter now. It's mine and I get to choose whether or not I'm going to work on it in step six. So, um, and that was what I did. So that's all I got on that. Thanks. Thank you for your transparency, Christine. Thanks for those comments. So, Paul? Yeah, I... <laughs> I just piggybacking on on what Douglas said about being, you know, misinformed. And I, I'm not sure I was misinformed by misinformed people sometimes. I just took what I the the way I saw the world and came up with this idea that somehow if I wasn't perfect, I was not lovable. And you know what hit me when we when you were reading, Christine, was we develop a I'm sorry, letting down our walls and admitting we are less than perfect, intimacy develops straight up. And and I don't know, you know, if you if I when I walked in here, if you said that you had put those two things together, even when I worked my first, fourth and fifth step, I don't think I put those things together. It has taken a long time to put that together that I you don't love me because of what my imperfections or in spite of my imperfections you love them because of my imperfections that's what makes people lovable is the approachability is when somebody is like me that's what makes it lovable and i i had this idea that there was this thing up there that i had to to be you know perfect at then you would love me. And that's just not true. That's the misinformation that I had when I walked in here. And I, I think there, that's why using was so good at the beginning, because it stopped the voices in my head that said, you got to be perfect to be loved. You got to be perfect to be loved. It didn't. I didn't care. I, I didn't care anymore when I got hot. And if, and if I tell you what, if I ha didn't have consequences, I'd probably still be high. But there was consequences to that to living like that. And I can't live with the consequences anymore. Or I don't, I won't live with the consequences anymore. So thanks. Thanks for his comments, Paul. What's up, Jennifer? Well, Paul, you said almost everything I was going to say. So I'm going to piggyback on it a little bit and try not to be repetitive. But, you know, these three paragraphs tonight have been like the most powerful for me since we started the study. 
and it's the same thing. You know, I grew up similar to, you know, Douglas with the wrong information from people that were misinformed. And then I took that perfection piece to a level of, well, I, I was taught that if you didn't do everything perfectly and you didn't do it how it was designed by specifically my mother, um, you didn't do it, then you didn't receive affection or love or, you know what I mean? And it was like this thing. And so it was like always this competition of trying to figure out how I can be the best in sports and school. And you know what I mean? Have the best friends, have the da, 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 da. And it's exhausting. You know, it was exhausting growing up trying to figure out like, you know, all of the parameters that I had to live in in order to get attention. And, um, and when I look at, you know, there's certain things that I circled in our reading. We haven't been rejected. You know, they're talking about our sponsor, right? My sponsor didn't reject me because I had all this bad stuff to tell her, you know, and I was rejected fairly regularly when I got to be on a report card. I mean, you know, it was like really, you know, I was pretty proud of myself. And then you'd come home and you'd have the wind taken out of your sails, right? Like, oh, well, that wasn't good enough. So you don't get X, Y, and Z, um, you know, deserving, being loved, um, you know, deserving is a really hard one for me to, to, to still 30 years into this, there are days where I don't think I deserve it. You know, I don't deserve the love. I don't deserve the trust. I don't deserve. And it, it is so ingrained in me. And I, I mean, the good news today is I've done enough work to know that even though it still affects me deeply, I know what the solution is today. And I know that it's wrong, right? It's a story that I tell myself. It's the story that addiction hits me with is that I'm still not good enough. I still don't deserve it. And then having the resources to know I have a higher power that I'm in the care of, right? Um, and then finding out that all of those feelings that are really yucky, that are still very deeply ingrained in me, bring out those character defects, the last couple sentences, you know, the patterns in our lives, dishonesty, fear, selfishness, you know, what can I do to to control and manipulate and fix so that I can feel deserving of your attention, your love, your kindness, your friendship, your whatever, you know? And, um, and man, if I, and I, and I didn't know this all either in my first fifth, fifth step, you know, I was more worried about like, you know, telling people who I slept with or what the things that I did to get dope. But man, when you get into the nitty gritty of all the reasons I did what I did, it goes back to all of that. Am I deserving? Can I be, am I lovable? You know? Um, and learning how to not act out in those character defects because I feel that way is really the key um, for me today. And we'll get that in, you know, the other steps. But um, but that piece right there, man, when I read that, it just hit me right in the heart. And it was like, I'm so grateful for the solution. I'm so grateful I have a solution, even though I feel bad in an instant when I read it, I immediately know what the solution is. So with that, I'll pass. Hey, Jennifer, thank you for your transparency and thank you for those comments. And, and man, and that's why I love you, like, like you folks share and you're just, you know, when you're, when you're open with that and just saying, you know, here, here's what it is and relating it to the text and just doing that. It's like my spirit feels connected with you folks. It really does. It's, it's just like, I can, you know, how we talk about like, like getting our batteries refilled or, you know, whatever analogy it is. It's like, I can feel it in real time. You know, it's, it, and, and that's what tonight's been like. And it reminds me a few weeks back when we were staying, I think Jennifer, Christine, we were staying on afterwards, you know, after one of the, the studies and it was Eric, you know, who was just like, hey man, here's what's going on. Bam, 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 bam. And uh, no, and it, and it wasn't like, like, like you were talking about, Paul. It was like, man, we just all lean into each other. And it gives me a lot of hope. It really does, man, because sometimes, Lee, I'm going to kick it to you here in a second, bro. And, and, and sometimes, man, I get, I get consumed in myself and, you know, especially like the nice tight, tidy shares. And I'm thinking, man, this is a fucking waste of my time. This is a fucking waste, you know, so I, you know, and that's all selfish. I know it's addiction talking to me, you know, I, I try not to run with it, but it's like, if I hear that nice and tidiness after nice and tidiness after nice, and I'm like, man, fuck this. But then it's like, man, when 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 I have a, a evening like that, you know, when we stay afterwards and we kick it or something like this, it's like, yeah, this is it, man. I won't trade it for anything. Like this is where I, I'm supposed to be, you know. So thank you for your transparency, folks. It's really good stuff. What up, Lee? Hey, thanks, Douglas. And I've really enjoyed the comments so far. Um, when Andrew was talking and and what we had read really reinforced for me 
especially in that second to the last paragraph, the trust in, in the process with my sponsor is probably the only reason that I'm still here because it took maybe three rounds, the first three rounds, the fourth round of the fourth and fifth step before I really tried like full, full on honesty. You know, I, the first three, there was parts of stuff and yeah, you know, just parts of stuff. Um, and, and it took me a long, it's taking me a long time and, and I'm not, I'm not done. Um, Christine touched on something and it, it hit me like in the heart. Um, a, a, a teenage woman, girl, 18 year old girl started having sex with me when I was 11. And at the time in the environment I was in, I thought I was fucking cool. You know, I would tease my older brothers about it. Like y'all the virgins, woo woo woo. Um, And, and the part of me feels like I missed some of the healing. Uh, I never, I don't even know whatever happened to her. Um, and, and that fed into who and what I became in active addiction, the, the really bizarre sexual shit. Um, and, and it taught, Paul and Jennifer both said she, that's highlighted. Intimacy develops with a, a little mark by it. It took it took me a long time before those walls started to come down. Before I realized I wasn't it wasn't cool. I was a child, and and what it did to my psyche. And I'm not saying that's why I was an addict because there was stuff way before I was 11. In the process of, of these steps four and five that, you know, digging deep and, and admitting the exact nature of my part took, took three or four rounds of steps. The, the hope shot is I'd never, I never used dope in once I got clean. And so all those layers, all those layers, all the mask, all the, uh, facades started crashing down. And uh, there was one other thing I wanted to, to touch on, but I, I kind of got long-winded. Uh, being able to see the whole spectrum, you know, this is, this is very, uh, I like the way it's written, but it took me, it took me a, a really long time to start to see the whole spectrum. And I'm still, uh, uncovering things today. Uh, I was writing on 11 yesterday and, and I'm still having issues with the God of my understanding. And I've been doing this for you know a lifetime. So that's plenty out of me. Thank, thanks. Love you, Lee. Thank you for those comments, bro. Thanks for sharing. What's up, Barb? Hey, Douglas, this might be a little um, off topic, but you were talking about friends and about... Um about people and then we talked about intimacy and I and I have a um you know what I'm feeling right now is I'm feeling um sad and it's raining here and I'm feeling um and that always fits my sadness and I'm feeling scared and I sponsored a girl and she got to five and a half years and she picked up you know and I went her daughter um called me today and and she's done a lot of the things her daughter I mean she we just finished step 12 and back to basics you know, or tradition 12, we just finished that. Um, but her daughter called me hysterical and said she was that she was drunk and I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, what? And then I went over there and, um, and she is, and you know what she said to me? She said, um, she said, I didn't see this coming. And she said, Barb, what happened? What happened? What the fuck happened? You know? And I couldn't tell her. I said, I don't know. I said, maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe we won't, you know, but, um, you know, this works, you know, you know what we got to do and that this works. And, um, and I just listened to a speaker and this tape, it was phenomenal. This guy was an emotional sobriety workshop. And he talked about, he, you know, talking to all these people that had picked up and he said that they, that they said, um, 
They don't know what happened. They never saw it coming. They didn't know what happened. You know, they didn't have, they, they didn't have a clue, you know, and um, it just makes me so sad. I love this girl, you know, and, and, and I've lost so many people to this disease and it, and it scares me. And usually I've learned you pray for, um, you don't pray for results. And I find myself praying for her tonight for results, you know, and it's like, Barb, this ain't how this works, you know, but I'm doing that, you know, and I've, I've stayed close to my sponsor and I got a, a, a friend that I've stayed close to because what I want to do is I want to carry, I don't want to carry the message. I want to carry the addict, you know, my, my codependent kicked in and I, and I, and my ego, you know, and I realize I can't do any of that. I got to give her the dignity to, to be on her journey and to hit what bottom she hits. And I don't know what that's going to be. And it scares me, you know, it scares me and her life, everything was falling into place. She just got off of five years of monitoring her, she got her license free and clear. And then, and that's what we do. That's insidiousness of this disease. She picks up, you know, and it's just, um, it's just, it's just bad, you know, and I just hate this shit. And I've seen uh, so many people, you know, but I know it'll keep me clean. I know I'm going to stay clean. And, and I know there are them blind spots that I keep, I need to keep doing this deal. And I keep, I need to keep, Christine and I were talking, I need to keep it fresh. I need to keep doing different steps. You know, we were exchanging stuff. Cause I don't know where them blind spots are and, and, you know, I don't know when I'm going to decide, you know what, fuck it. I think I'll use today. And I know when it's good, when I, when I was going through school, I remember I got on the Dean's list and I thought, you know what, a Valium would relax me. Or when the first time in New Orleans, when I got a year clean, I remember coming from a meeting and thinking I need to celebrate, you know, that's the insidiousness of this disease in my mind, you know? So um, pray for her, you know, please pray for her, Candace. I hope she makes it back, you know, and um, I, and I can't know. I got to be okay with the unknown and the uncertainty, you know, and realize that now she needs HP. It's HP in her, you know, and that's so hard. It's so hard, you know, to turn them over, but I have to. So thanks. Love you, Barb. Thanks for Thanks for sharing that with us. I don't think it's off topic. No, not, not one bit. Not one bit. No, I think when, when, <laughs> when the HP kind of puts something on us, you know, and, and like it comes up, it's ready to come out. And, and that's the cool thing. What I've learned the last few years, like on, on a platform like this is that the HP is going to use, like when we, when we give of ourselves like you, like you just did, it, it finds its way to somebody who needed to hear exactly what you said to get them through a day clean. And that's just, we become a link in the chain, a vessel of the HP's will. And, 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 and so, so really appreciate you sharing that. You know, for me, what, what's not the thing is that this program is not working in her life because that's not true. The bigger thing is that this hard ass addict has tears rolling down his eyes and street barb cares more about a girl that she's known for five years than street barb ever cared for anybody else on the street that's the fascinating change in this thing that's the intimacy this this step is talking about is that we will get hurt if we stick around here we will but that's not a bad thing that's what we come here for is to be hurt to have feelings about people because I didn't give a fuck about no one, including myself, when I got here. And that, you know, step over the dead bodies and give me the dope. And and that's not where we're at anymore, Barb. We're not that we're not those people anymore. So good on you. Thanks, Paul. Well, folks, if we uh if we want to feel a little bit better about ourselves. <laughs> I'm not sure this is the spot. To jump to, 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 Step six. To jump, oh. the, to jump into step six. All right. But we're Let gonna, me get a hammer. I'll be right back. We're going to do it anyways. All right. Let's roll over to 59. Top of 59, step six. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Jane, would you be willing to read the first two and make some comments? Sure, Douglas. Step six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. The insight we gained in step five regarding the exact nature of our wrongs, while valuable, is only the beginning of the striking changes that take place in our lives as we move on to step six. 
the admission we made of the nature of our wrongs, our character defects, is necessary if we are to be ready to have them removed. Deeply shaken by a part in the past, we can expect our attitudes to be profoundly changed by working the sixth step. Although some of us have not understood the critical importance of the sixth and seventh steps, they are essential actions that must be taken if we expect to make any significant and lasting changes in our lives. We cannot simply say, yes, I'm ready. God, please remove my defects and go on to step eight. If we gloss over the six and seven steps and go on to make our amends, we will only wind up owing more amends by repeating the same destructive patterns as before. Well, that describes five or six years of recovery. So I remember a guy telling me once there are two words in this step that he absolutely hates uh, entirely and all. Oh, no. And that's a truth for me. Uh, entirely ready. Not so often in recovery, and certainly not all my defects. Some of them are are still pretty close friends, and we, we spend a lot of time together. But I do know that I spent just exactly what it says. I'm ready, God. Please remove them, and moved on to step eight. I did that for quite a long time. Uh, six and seven were kind of like a bump in the road and took about five minutes. And then onward we go. And uh, and consequently, there were several years in my recovery, several, several, several years uh, where I did the destructive patterns over and over and over again, while realizing they were destructive patterns. Um, I had recognized them in step four and five, but I just somehow or another in my mind, Santa Claus was going to come in on Christmas Day and remove the defects because I asked him. Six and seven, I asked him. And, uh, and quite frankly, uh, I really liked some of them. You know, manipulation is still kind of a useful tool in my life sometimes. It's destructive also, but it comes in handy from time to time, especially in service work. Anyway, so the, uh, the turning, one of the turning points of the many, many turning points, uh, and it was done with um, deep shame and uh, shaken emotions was realizing that I uncover it and then I'm, I hand it over to someone more powerful and more wise than me. Now that seems so such such a simple thing to do, but it just was awful for me to uh, ex go through the whole acceptance, just like on step one, the, just dragging it out for years thinking I'm going to find the right recipe. I'm going to do it just right. And then I won't do this hurtful thing anymore. And, uh, and the shame that comes with sitting in a meeting with double digits with the same damn character trait that put me into this same damn shameful place. Um, it's especially true when it comes to relationships and finances, you know, uh, and um, not wanting to share that uh, that I failed one more time, uh, one more time, one more time, cleaned it up and destroyed it, cleaned it up and destroyed it. I did it before I got to recovery and I did it after recovery. Um, but the people in my life, the foundation that I had set with people um, kept just walking me through and kept proving that I was lovable and that it was possible. But six and seven is releasing that uh, for me, releasing that to a higher power and concentrating on replacing them with the spiritual principles that the, this program provides me to use. So I'm not working on not being angry. I'm working on being kind. And that eliminates the anger. But when I'm working at not being mad, <laughs> I get mad. <laughs> Oh, but if I'm working on kindness, my, my soul calms down. And, and, uh, and it's said on this podcast more times than I can think of that, that it's not accept, accept, accept. It's please, God, grant me serenity. <laughs> grant me the serenity. And when I have the serenity, the acceptance comes. I don't know. Anyway, 
I uh, six and seven are are pivotal points for me in my recovery that I'm not in charge of fixing me. I've got a thousand million self-help books. I've already had my time trying to fix me. Uh, it's my higher power now. And uh, he provides me all the tools. It's just uh, how often I want to practice them. I, we were reading in the um, Living Clean book today about checking in regularly from my flaws and my shifting in my foundation. And the checking in is with my higher power and with the foundation, the people. It's not checking in with Jane because I can still lie to myself in a flat second. So, And prayers, Barbara, I know what it's like to care about somebody for a long time and watch them flourish and grow and achieve and and uh, and then watch them watch them fail and die and uh, trip I don't know it, it hurts the soul it hurts the soul a lot thanks thanks for those comments Jane and folks before we move on for the next two Eric I'm going to ask you to read the next two paragraphs and wondering if if um like I've struggled with this and I've worked with a lot of people who who have up until this point, like in the basic text and, and then and then even here, it's like the question is, well, could you tell me like, is there is there the go to list of character defects or like, you know, what what what's the defect? What is the defect in, in, in that? And I think it's a little bit confusing sometimes. I think approaching this, especially like if we if we get off of the bottom of 57, the exact nature of those wrongs is our character defects. We take a look at 59, the mission we made of our of the nature of our wrongs, comma, our character defects, comma, you know, continue. Okay. Big picture, understand it's the exact nature. Okay. But what does that look like in real time for me? You know, what did that, what's that done? And how was it explained to me years ago? And it just made a lot of sense to me. It was like, Hey man, step six is really about identifying the flat tires in my life. You know, you could, and, and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. You know, you can get to where you're going with a flat tire, but it is not going to be fun. And it's probably going to fuck up a whole bunch of other stuff if you're driving on that flat, you know, a couple of flats. And that really made sense. And then like to to look at that a little bit more, like like a real practical way for me to look at that is like three things. If there's something going on in my life that causes me pain, that causes people around me pain, or that puts some static in in the relationship that I have with my higher power. That's a that, that that's kind of like an indicator of like, hey, that that event, that action, I thought, whatever that is, you know, that's a defect of my character. You know, so I could wrap around that. And when I'm looking at this of kind of like the the big picture stuff, exact nature, you know, it's, it's I get confused, man. I get confused. Anybody else have have anything that they that kind of helps calibrate that? Kind of helps that. I always look for patterns. That's what I'm looking for, is the patterns, because I have negative patterns. And what I want to do is replace them with positive patterns. Like my negative pattern was never show up, say yes to things and not show up. So I have to, with step six, I, like Jane says, I can't not be angry. I can start to, if I say I'm going to do something, really make sure that I'm going to do it. That sometimes requires stop check your phone, see if you are able to do it on that day. Is it something you're going to follow through with? Is it going to be the thing that you're going to commit to? Let me call you back. Let me give you an answer tomorrow. Those kind of things, as opposed to, yes, please like me. Yes, I'll do it. Please let me be a part of this home group. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, yes, yes. So I have to change those patterns with patterns that are different. And that's that's what I'm looking for. It's not the one-off, like uh, Jennifer said, who I slept with. It's I kept sleeping with the same fucking people over and over and wonder why none of them love me. That's the problem. It's not the sleeping with the person that's the problem. It's the pattern. It's Paul's patterns. So that's me. Thanks, Paul. So Christine? Hey, um, for me, when we, I mean, the exact nature of 99% of my defects is fear. 99%, it stems from fear or selfishness. 
and even selfishness I can trace back in the pattern begins with fear because I'm afraid there's not going to be enough. And what, what we did with my patterns was because six was such an action step. And I will tell you, six is the first step that I worked that when I was done, like I didn't have that recovery high, you know, and I remember going, well, well, this kind of sucks, you know, like, where's the high that comes from this? I was just like an exposed nerve, you know, um, but we took my patterns that we had written out and we traced them all back. And then we began to, I mean, it's an action step. I had to do my part for God to do his part. I had to do my part in looking at my behavior and making changes in my behavior where I could. Um, because it was in doing that, that's what revealed to me what my shortcomings were and what I needed God to remove from me by the time I got to step seven. But identifying those patterns and being able to trace it back to 99% really stems in fear. And being able to look at that root uh, was huge and a game changer for me because I walk around with so much anxiety the majority of the time that I still, hi, Carl, that I still struggle with it. Um, but I'm, I'm so aware that when I become verbally abusive or, I mean, it took me years to learn how to speak to people in a way that was not offensive because it was just my tone sucked, my delivery sucked, but it was the best that I had. And in doing the work on my patterns and deconstructing them, that's what awarded me the ability to talk like I'm a sane, productive member of society today. Except for I can still drop an F-bomb in a second. So that's what I have on that. Thanks for those comments, Christine. So Jennifer? <laughs> Me too, Christine. Me too. I'm, I'm never not going to cuss. It's just not going to be a thing. Um, so, you know, when I was doing my character defects and kind of the first round, it was like my sponsor really simplified the areas for me. And it was like, was I selfish? Was I dishonest? Was I inconsiderate? You know, and then fear was the other one that was in there. All of those actually nailed into fear, like Christine said. But I think over time too, of just, you know, we always talk about coming into recovery. Like I got clean and you take the drugs away and I'm still the same person, only I'm acting out on all this stuff, you know, um, in a different way, it's not having anything to cover up the way that I feel. But, um, you know, one of the things that my sponsor was always really clear about was, you know, the selfishness and the fear are really, you know, um, interconnected in the, and Douglas always says it, I'm going to lose what I have. I'm not going to get what I want. Right. So then I control, then I manipulate, you know what I mean? And it's all of that stuff. My sponsor was very clear on, um, like when we wrote it down and we would talk about, them. Um, if I didn't write, you know, and, and almost every single one of the, the issues, you know, the four step column that I had with all my resentments, you know, barring, you know, a handful of things, she was like, there are all character defects in there. And there's a part in every single one of these. Cause I would be like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. They did this to me. And, and, uh, you know, I was very, you know, perfectionism appearances. Like I wanted to appear like I had my shit together, all of those things, man. And they all boil down to fear. Just like Christine said, every single time it was, I was afraid you wouldn't like me. I was afraid you wouldn't love me. I was afraid you wouldn't want to hang out, you know, all that stuff. Um, so that's it. That's all I got. All right. Thanks for those comments, Jennifer. Paul is behaving very, very poorly over here. So yeah, I have, y'all are all gone to something over there. I'm going to separate you two. <laughs> You're going to have to put Carl in the seat. Put him in the middle. Right in between us. That's good. All right. Thanks for those comments, Jennifer. Eric, would you be willing to read the next two paragraphs, bro? Sure. The lifelong process of the sixth step is just that, a process. We've started the process of becoming entirely ready, and we will strive to increase our readiness throughout our lifetime. Our job is to become entirely ready and to open our hearts and minds to the deep internal changes that can only be brought about by the presence of a loving God. We've already had experience in the third step of what we must do now in the sixth step. Just as we surrendered our will and our lives to the care of a power greater than ourselves because we could no longer go on managing our own lives, 
We now prepare to surrender our defects of character to a loving God because we have exhausted our attempts to change our own willpower. This process is difficult and often painful. Uh, what I love so much about our literature is how it can, I have a hard time putting into words how this process has worked for me. But going back into the literature, it's like, oh, that's happened, that's happened, that's happened. Um, so I love it, man. I love what's been talked about so far. Jane, I could listen to Jane share forever. I, I, I just love it. Um, so what I was thinking about was, uh, you know, going through this, I've been through this step with uh, two different sponsors. And the first one gave me the seven deadly sins as a list of defects. And that was pretty simple for me. Um, it really made it like manageable because otherwise it was like all these fucking things that I had written down. It was just like, you know, inconceivable. I couldn't even start to wrap my head around it. So seven things uh, made it a lot more uh, manageable for me and understandable for me. And, um, you know, and I can still use that today, even though I'm confused sometimes. Like I think, well, getting angry isn't a sin. But if I am like hating a person uh, or defect, if I am hating a person and that, that is a defect in my character, you know, I can disagree with somebody's opinion uh, without, you know, character assassinating them. And, um, you know, I wish <laughs> this process is often difficult and painful. Like I wish that I was better about seeing where I've grown, like seeing when I'm able to apply a principle instead of acting on the defect, but it's just not the same. It doesn't have the same hit for me is when I act out on the defect and I suffer those consequences. That is what is like so encompassing. It has such a, you know, cost to my spirit and uh, it bothers me so much that it's just like so glaring, you know, but I do have a few recent examples of, uh, of both and I'll share them real quick. Um, one was, uh, so like a couple weeks ago, I was sharing, I was chairing the, my home group and uh, there's like 80 people there and uh, hands go up, you know, and I'm just trying to chair the meeting, trying to keep maintain some order and calling people in order. And somebody started sharing out of turn. I said, hold on, I've got this person and then you can share. So that's what happened. I cut them off. They stopped sharing. The other person shared. Then that person shared. After the meeting, that person came up to me very, very angry. Um, for whatever reason, thought I did it on purpose just to single them out. I'm not sure why. And I just looked at them and said, you know, it's not the case. I'm just trying to share the meeting. It wasn't personal. I'm sorry if I offended you. They didn't take that for an answer. You know, and um, I felt my you know, my anger rising at the uh, accusation of, uh, you know, picking on somebody, but I thought I handled it fairly well. I don't know. So a couple people told me, Hey, relax, you know, cause I was amped up. I also had a couple cups of coffee. I was amped up. <laughs> um, so a week later, uh, the next week I get a message from somebody. Um, and they said, who the fuck do you think you are? You know? And like, I was at the gym when I got this message and I should have, I had an opportunity right then. Right? I had an opportunity right then to just not even participate. You know, I didn't know what it was referring to. I had no idea, but I knew it couldn't be good. You know, I didn't know. there was no, what benefit was I gonna receive from answering this message? And I didn't take that beat. I didn't ask for some serenity. You know what I mean? I, I self-willed it, man. I self-willed it, you know? And, um, and so I participated in that shit. And what ended up happening was I shredded that person. My character assassinated that person. I let them have it with so much vitriol. I didn't even know what was inside of me you know, over a simple accusation. I went over the top. I got defensive. I attacked and it hurt my spirit so bad, you know, and uh, that person ended up being at the meeting later that the next day, that person was at the meeting. It was still on my spirit, you know, and I, I shared about it and make a direct amends, but I think I made some kind of indirect amends by owning my behavior because the truth was I wasn't wrong in the beginning until I responded the way I responded, man, you know, and that's what made me wrong. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what somebody does to me. It does not ever give me the right to behave, you know, like the world ain't fair. I have to behave fairly anyway. You know, that's my responsibility, man. And if I don't, I suffer the consequences, you know, and that's what it is. It's like, like, it's not like, oh, I hurt this person's feelings or whatever. That really had nothing to do with it. It had to do with how it made me feel inside. And it was uh, terrible, you know. On the plus side, I do have, um, uh, I do recognize I, I've grown a little bit, man. I, uh, I had an opportunity to uh, sleep with an ex of mine. And, uh, and it's not because she's unattractive. We're just not compatible for a relationship, you know? And, um, and I didn't do it, you know? And that's not the first time that's happened, but it's, it's rare. It's a rare occurrence. More, more often than not, I would live in the moment. That's my excuse, you know what I mean? We're just living in the moment, you know? <laughs> Who cares what happens? But, you know, 
and there was a there was fallout from that and it didn't it wasn't comfortable in that moment right it's not a comfortable moment to uh shoot somebody down and um and uh and there was fallout from that I, you know it was not appreciated you know of me until later you know maybe a couple of days later i got a message saying thanks for being respectful after they came around to that idea but so i like i can recognize that i'm growing but those those moments like that doesn't feel as powerful as like when i step over the line that that really had a bigger effect on me when i curse that person out than that right thing I did. And uh, for whatever reason, that's part of this process for me, man. I, I had good sponsors that told me, you know, becoming entirely ready can be a lifelong process. Man. And, uh, and I like that. And I like that, uh, the experience I had going through my sixth step. I remember it was like over the course of a week and I was, you know, debating, holding on to some of these things. And I just kept praying. And for whatever reason, I just became ready. You know what I mean? And like, it wasn't an event. It felt like an event at the time, but of course I picked them back up. And I play with them again. So it's like a process of, of practice for me. You know what I mean? I get to again and again, surrender that just for today, just like I do with any reservations I might have, you know, just like I practice the first step, man. That, that's, that wasn't an event either. You know what I mean? On a, on a regular basis, I get to reaffirm my surrender. Thanks for some of my comments. Eric, thanks for those comments. And, and uh, um, man, I really identify with that. I don't know if that's something to that that is, I mean, I haven't, I haven't um, grown out, I guess would be, would, would be a way to look at that grown out of that. Like it's, it's, it's a lot easier for me to, to realize when I've touched that hot stove, than then when I've made the decision to say, oh, I know that burner's hot right there and I'm just not going to touch it. Right. Like I do that a lot that like, I don't touch a hot stove a lot, but, but, but when I do, damn, you know, and I think it's healthy, man. I think it's healthy. You know, I, yeah, I really do. I think that's like recovery in my spirit. I'm saying, man, I'm, I'm a whole ass human for sure. I'm going to fall short and then fuck, it hurts, man, when I do. I think that's a cool thing. You know, I think that, that that's a good thing. Another one that I want to comment, and then I'm kicking it to you, Barb, uh, is um, about the the sixth step with the with the seven deadly sins. I'm glad that you brought that up. I really am because I, I'm, I sponsor a guy in West Virginia, and that's how we're doing his his sixth step. And And for the folks listening, you don't have to be like, hey, man, fuck these guys. They're Bible thumping now. Fuck, sometimes we'll talk about the A big books and they're fucking big book numbers on this podcast that now they're Bible thumping. You don't, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to do anything, you know, like that. What what it is, it's a really good how how we're doing it, he and I. Right, the, the seven sins on the left, how are they um, currently showing out in his life? And then they're on the right side, what benefit if if that wasn't going on in his life what would the benefit be i mean that's and that's really to help to be entirely ready to have god, to have god remove these i have to know what is it why it's causing me pain and what it would look like without it and then that makes the connection of why i don't want it in my life anymore if it was just something to where oh i have i have this oh, i'm greedy okay well fuck it i'm greedy then i have a desire for god to remove why how is it shown in my life and what's the pain looking like associated with that? And what will my lo life look like? Like Jen was talking about, I don't walk around saying, Hey, I'm not going to be greedy. I'm not going to be greedy because I hand my handcuff myself to greed, but I can walk around like a six and seven. I can walk around and say, I can be generous. I can be generous. I can be generous. And it, and it takes care of greed. You know, God does a heavy lift and I do the footwork, you know? So, so, but yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Eric. That's, that, that's cool. It's a really common thing, man. It, it's, it, it has a lot of history in 12-step or, you know, doing that. What's happening, Barb? Hey, Douglas. Um, I like the, in the flat book, in six and seven, when I did the columns, like you said, it was like, that was like um, very beneficial to me when I, when I did it that way. And um, a couple things have been going through my mind. I was like, James, six and, six and seven, the first time I thought, well, this is a get out of jail free card. I just, you know, breezed right on through it. And the, the further I go, the more um, the rubber hits the road with six and seven. And I was, uh, I too, the first time I did them, I did the uh, seven sins, you know, I did those. And then I did the on the beam, off the beam, which is kind of the spiritual principles and um, now it's more um, stuff that I'm learning in Al-Anon. It's more, it's more like uh, uh, keep your mouth shut and controlling. I'm out of control, control freak. And, and um, 
like in that meeting, I would have, that, that was hard. Cause I mean, when you're the chairperson, you're in control of the meeting, but, but what I'm learning now, I'm not in control. So I need to, you know, a lot of, a lot of times just let stuff unfold too, you know, but what I, what I think is my character defects are kind of like my disease. They manifest as I go along in different ways, you know, and, and, and I think that the less self-centered I got, the more codependent I got. So then my character defects would be, you know, like why I'm going to the, you know, Al-Anon for, for that. And, and I agree with uh, Christine hundred percent. They all go back to 99% of them are self-centeredness or fear, you know, usually fear. And, and then when I trace them back, it's childhood. You know, I listened to this uh, speaker too. And he said, uh, he must've been a professional, like, like in the field, but he said like all our stuff is formed in the first five years of our life. You know, that, that I'm not lovable, all that stuff we get in those years, you know, and that's what I find. It all goes back to that. And then what, there was an old timer here that said, um, how do you quit doing character defects? You quit doing them. I'm not going to get poofed. I can pray from now until forever. If I don't make some effort and quit doing them, they're not going to go away. That's been my experience too, you know, and they're kind of like, uh, you know, I don't think I get rid of them. I think I get them in balance. You know, somebody, my sponsor says they're character traits and I get them in balance, you know? And um, there was a girl here that said, it's like that little toy that the kids have that you, that you hammer down the pegs, you know, you hammer down one and another one pops up. And that's what I find to be true too, you know? So um, now, now the, the character and what, what I know, my character defects today, they're either street shit, survival skills that don't serve me well. Cause I'm, sometimes I'm surviving out here, but not like out there you know, or there's stuff that pushes you away. I had these where I pushed you away to make me feel safe and that doesn't serve me well anymore. And when I, when I'm doing stuff to push you away, then I got to look at it, you know, and that's things like arguing, interrupting, not listening, you know, know it allism, all that kind of stuff, you know, that I really have to work on. And they're ingrained patterns that it's not easy to get rid of them. You know, I'm a work in progress. So thanks. That's it for me. Thanks, Barb. So, Paul? All right, here we go. Our growing awareness of our defects often causes us pain. We all, we've all heard the expression, ignorance is bliss, but we no longer ignorant of our character defects and this awareness hurts. All of a sudden, we'll notice a wounded look in the eyes of a friend after we've acted on one of our less endearing traits. We'll hang our heads in shame, mumble an apology, and probably beat ourselves inwardly for being so callous one more time. We feel sick inside knowing how our action adversely affect the people in our lives. We are sick and tired of being the people we have been, but this feeling compels us to change and grow. We want to be different than we have been in the past, and the good news is that we, are, we already are. Being able to see beyond our own interests and being concerned about the feelings of others are striking changes, considering that our raging self-obsession is at the core of our disease. I'm just doing the one paragraph. Um, so, look, if, some, if you see somebody in a meeting and they're angry and they're kicking the dog, they're on a six step. That, that has been my experience. Every time you hear somebody getting mad <laughs> about something, it's they're on a six step and they cannot move past it. Well, they're on a six step, but they're not working it, I should say. Um, I think that's that's this whole paragraph kind of speaks to that. So if you're in it, keep moving, keep trudging ahead. Don't get stuck there. It's the worst place to be because all of those things, that mumbling and apology, beating ourselves inwardly for being so callous one more time, that that's just anger inducing behavior. Because like I say, fourth and fifth is what happened. Six and seven is real time. I didn't do those things in the past. I am dishonest in the moment. I am intolerant in the moment. And that's the thing that this, this is what I want to move past. I want to be free from this. And everybody can get there. It's not like you have to do something and it, it may or may not work. This works no matter what. That's a guarantee. Never have we seen, it says, never. And that's an all, by the way, for you entirely and alls. <laughs> Thanks. 
Thanks for those comments, Paul. Our folks, thanks for listening for this for this past hour. We, as always, the invitation for this week is if if you know somebody who could benefit from this resource, please provide it for them and then navigate to the Facebook page. We have a few folks here who put together a playlist of the basic tech study, the SPADs, the JFTs, the 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 um, living clean study, and and so on. So so go ahead and, and check that out. Love you, folks. Hey, thank you for spending some time with us and walking on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so and reach out to us. There's a podcast number, there's a Facebook page, um, and you probably um, have contacted one of the squad already. Continue to do so. Pour into us, allow us to be filled up, and that way we can continue to pour into you. I love you, folks.